This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. This is The New Way We Work from Fast Company Magazine, where we take listeners on a journey through the changing landscape of our work lives and explain exactly what we need to build the future we want. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor, Kate Davis. On last week's episode, we talked to Gwen Moran about how companies and employees should plan their return to office. Our conversation focused on considerations about career development, management style, equity, and collaboration. We also touched on how employees can advocate for themselves if remote or hybrid work is best for them. The episode is a great primer for navigating the transition to our new work normal. So if you haven't already, it's worth a listen. One aspect about the return to office that sometimes gets lost in the conversation is the office space itself, the physical environment that's become the norm. How did our offices evolve to what they are today? And what should they look like going forward? Fast Company reporter Lydia Dishman took a closer look at the history and the future of the office. If you're listening to this from the comfort of your couch or kitchen table, you're probably among the 7 in 10 knowledge workers that are still working remotely. According to a report by Gallup, nearly as many workers hadn't returned to the office as those who were working from home in 2020, and things aren't likely to change anytime soon. As the Delta variant of COVID-19 continues to rage, employers that said they would phase workers back into the office by fall are rejiggering their plans. Large companies like Amazon, Microsoft, and Google are forging ahead with reopening, while others, like Facebook and Twitter, are allowing their employees to continue working remotely if their job allows it. One thing that's become evident is that many people don't want to go back to the office. And it's not just because of the love-hate relationship most have with open-concept spaces where, once upon a time, it was the primary place work got done. A majority... 65% to be exact of those polled by FlexJobs said they'd like to be full-time remote employees post-pandemic, and 31% are willing to do hybrid work. Taken together, that's 96% of workers who are looking to change where work gets done, at least part of the time. Such sweeping change is coming swiftly, especially when you think that the office has roots in antiquity. Academics and architects are currently debating the virtues of design and its effect not only on productivity, but also on keeping workers safe and healthy. From flexible floor plans to furnishings, the office of the future may somewhat resemble its former incarnation, but the way we work in it will radically change. Looking back at its long history may help reveal why some leaders still cling to the old way of gathering for work while revealing how we got here in the first place. As far back as ancient Rome, the tabularium was used to house public records and also may have served as an office building for workers. But medieval monks may have been the first to use cubicles, or a scriptorium, as it was called, as they worked on manuscripts. These writing rooms were also used by lay scribes and illuminators. 
Botticelli's painting of St. Augustine in his cell depicts a small three-walled alcove with a curtain, further suggesting that such work in Renaissance times was done in secluded spaces to maximize focus. Coincidentally, this painting hangs in the Uffizi Gallery, which was originally the central administrative building of the Medici Empire. The 1600s ushered in a new era for the workplace. Witold Vrybczynski, the author of Home, The Short History of an Idea, reveals that lawyers, civil servants, and other professionals started working from offices in London, Amsterdam, and Paris, where previously many had worked from home. In London, for instance, the old Admiralty buildings, where the first purpose-built offices were constructed in 1726, stored paperwork for the Royal Navy. It also had meeting spaces like the Admiralty Boardroom, which is still in use today. The East India Company followed suit with its own headquarters, and others began to build as well during this time, prompting Sir Charles Trevelyan, permanent secretary to the Treasury from 1840 to 1859, to write, quote, For the intellectual work, separate rooms are necessary so that a person who works with his head may not be interrupted. But for the more mechanical work, the working in concert with a number of clerks in the same room under proper superintendence is the proper mode of meeting it, end quote. Flash forward to the early 20th century, and Frank Lloyd Wright steps in to design the Larkin Administration Building, the first modern office, in 1906, and then the first open-plan office building for the S.C. Johnson Wax Company in 1936. It's not surprising that the idea of work was changing and office layouts were designed to maximize productivity. This was the holy grail for management experts like Frederick Taylor, who were consulting with companies during the latter half of the 19th and early 20th centuries. But it wasn't until the 1960s that the open office really started to gain traction as a popular design for workplaces. Bureau Landschaft, originally a German design approach that translates to office landscape, aimed to democratize the workplace and create more interaction between colleagues. In response to the growing popularity of vast open office spaces, Robert Probst, president of Herman Miller Research Corporation, wrote, quote, today's office is a wasteland. It saps vitality, blocks talent, frustrates accomplishment. It is the daily scene of unfulfilled intentions and failed effort, end quote. The company's answer was the action office, which was arguably the first flexible cubicle space because it offered an alternative work setting with some privacy while still not restricting movement. There was a bit of backlash to the open office as more women entered the workforce in the 1960s and 70s. An article from The Observer in Britain from 1968 detailed the problems and some positive elements of the new Boots open plan office. 
The piece said, quote, Ivan Mitchell, Boot's own chief architect, sits in a private office with smoked glass walls through which he is clearly visible and says that he suffers from visual distraction. He has to turn his desk sideways to avoid seeing the miniskirts, end quote. Unsurprisingly, this ushered in a new design feature that was called a modesty panel, which covered the front of the desk so that female workers could wear their skirts without being on view. Yet another Observer article from 1970 argued, quote, A woman's legs are nothing to be ashamed of, and there is no reason for hiding them behind an obstruction that serves only to tear stockings and add to discomfort and inconvenience, end quote. The designers interviewed for this piece suggested that the middle drawer of a desk should be removed to allow the female worker to cross her legs more easily. As more businesses caught on to the idea of the action office and its modular flexibility, the concept morphed into mass production of what we now know as cubicles. This wasn't a stellar iteration for designer Robert Probst, who declared, quote, Not all organizations are intelligent and progressive. Lots are run by crass people who can take the same kind of equipment and create hellholes. They make little bitty cubicles and stuff people in them. Barren rat hole places, end quote. Too late, as many companies had already made the investment in the fabric-covered mazes. Pre-pandemic, companies from small startups to massive global corporations were vying to up the design ante in favor of keeping their workers happy and productive. Cubicles be damned. Over the past decade, we've seen the introduction of game spaces, sleep pods, plant walls, lounges, hot desks, and more. Alongside all this came the shift no one was expecting. In 2020, the COVID crisis ushered in a return to working from home. just like they did in the Renaissance. And that's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to The New Way We Work wherever you listen. And if you like this episode, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We want to hear from you. How do you feel about returning to the office? How would you like to see your office change in the future? Email us at podcast at fastcompany.com or tweet at us with the hashtag NewWayWeWork. The New Way We Work is produced by Joshua Christensen. This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com.